This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. All right, what's up, everybody? All right, you guys ready? We're gonna have some fun. We're gonna take the energy, get a little bit crazy. I wanna make sure that you guys end this on a high note. And honestly, I will be wildly disappointed in myself if all I manage to do in this is inspire or motivate you. At the end of this talk, I will consider myself a failure if that's all that happens. I will consider it a win, on the other hand, if you guys go out and actually take action. And at the end of the day, all of us we're not judged by our intentions. We are judged by what we actually accomplish. And your accomplishments are gonna be entirely determined by what you actually do. And my talk is going to be about that, how to take action, exactly what action is made up of, and why it's critical to recognize that humans lead with belief. And so at the end of this talk, hopefully I will get you guys to understand why right now you have everything that you need already to believe in yourself, to be capable to do something that is truly extraordinary, and we're gonna walk through that path. But for my talk to make any sense, I'm gonna to have to give you guys a little bit of my backstory. Not that I can see a whole lot, but is anybody familiar with me prior to seven seconds ago? When you learned that I wake up, wow. Well, I'm completely shocked by that. Uh, thank you, by the way. So to give those of you who don't know a little bit of background, my story goes like this. Growing up, I did not show any signs of success. My parents taught me to be a good employee, which I'll liken to the slave's mentality, to keep my head down, do as little work as possible, and avoid punishment at all costs. And that's how I started. I grew up in a family in Tacoma, Washington, that teetered between blue collar and white collar, and I was being trained to be a good employee. And when I left for college, my own mother, who's always been my biggest cheerleader, I think that's important to recognize, just quietly assumed I was going to fail. And every day since I left, by the way, my mom all but forced me to go to college, kicked me out of the nest. It was only one of, I think, two people to leave the state for my graduating class. Everybody else stayed home. I wanted to stay home. And my mom said, you need to go chase your dreams. But then every moment since then, my mom has done everything she can to get me to move back to Tacoma. And so finally one day I asked her and I said, mom, I really don't get it. Like, why? You were the one that pushed me. You were the one that kicked me out. So why are you working so hard to get me back? And she said, with no malice in her heart, I just assumed you were going to fail. <laughs> I assumed you were going to fail and come home, but I never wanted you to ask, what if? I have the chills on my face remembering that. Because that's the human condition. 
there is something inside of us that we all recognize that says we could do more, we could be more, we are capable of becoming something. But it's that path to becoming that we don't really understand. And it's that path to becoming that I want to talk about today. I love the theme of this event, pivot, making a change while keeping your center. That to me really is what life is all about. But that's, that's the hype. Now how do we get into the tactical realities of that? And to explain that, I'm going to walk you through some of my story. So my story starts when I go to film school. USC film school, statistically speaking, is harder to get into than Harvard Law and I managed to get in. I had taken one of the teachers out who was on the acceptance committee and I said, look, I have really terrible SAT scores. I got a 990 on my SATs, by the way. I took it twice. That is my combined score. <laughs> Monkeys with feces just rubbing it on there get better scores than that. And I was mortified. I went to the committee to find out what I needed to do to get into film school, which was my dream, the thing that I most wanted in this world. And they said, hey, as long as you've got good grades and you have a 1300 on your SATs, no problem. And I was devastated because I was so far from that. So I took one of the teachers out and I said, look, I have a confession. I got really bad SAT scores. I took it twice. Look, I'm just not good on testing, la, the whole story. And he was like, oh, who cares? He was like, there's two points of acceptance. One, as an incoming freshman, where, yeah, we look at your SAT scores, but the other is, as an incoming junior, and then we don't care about your SAT scores, which are merely meant to tell us how well you do in college. So I'm just going to look at your grades. So if you get good grades, I'm not even going to look at the rest of your application. Cool. So I locked myself in my dorm room for two years. I didn't date. I didn't drink a drop of alcohol. I didn't go to a party. All I did day and night was work. And I studied. Because my problem was, my mom was right. I didn't show signs of early success. People that were looking at me expecting me to fail had accurately assessed what I was capable of at that moment. But what they didn't understand about me, what they didn't understand about the human animal is our ability to adapt, grow, and get better. The most fascinating thing to come out of science in a long time was when they sequenced the human genome and they realized, and by the way, they thought they were going to solve everything. They thought they were going to cure cancer. They thought this was going to be the end of chronic aging. Like all of the diseases that we struggle with now, they thought they were all just going to go away. Once we sequenced the human genome, that was going to be it. It was going to be like a map to Xanadu. It was going to be amazing. And then they did it. And what they discovered was humans only have 20,000 genes. And some onions have 40,000. So they're literally looking at the data going, are we really meant to believe that an onion is more genetically complex than a human being? How can this be possible? Oh, and by the way, they were ignoring all of this stuff that they were calling junk DNA. Now, it didn't take them long to realize that that junk DNA plays a role. We are, without question, the most dominant species this world has ever seen. We are an apex predator unlike anything. You can find us in the Marianas Trench, which is the deepest part of the ocean. You can find us in the Arctic. We have literally sent human beings to the moon. And what that junk DNA really is, is epigenetics. Now, it's just a fancy word for we respond to our environment. And more aptly, we respond to stress in our environment. 
Anybody ever seen a professional bodybuilder? No? Okay. A professional bodybuilder hardly looks human to me. They are, it's unbelievable what they're able to do, but they show in a very real and tangible way what you can do to the human body when you understand how to put it under stress. Now, if you've ever been to the gym, you know that the real money is in tearing the muscle down, not building it up. You actually build up the muscle while you're sleeping based on what you've eaten. So the act of bodybuilding, of actually going into the gym is an act of tearing down so that you can create the stress so that your body can respond. Now, if you remember nothing else from my talk, remember this, humans are the ultimate adaptation machine. Just by being human, each and every one of you is capable of great change. Who you are today does not predict who you can become. Who you can become is the answer to a very simple question. What do you want? And what price are you willing to pay to get there? What do you want? And what price are you willing to pay to get there? Kobe Bryant, one of the greatest athletes of our time, would show up on game day, and if he saw anybody else at the gym as early as him, even though he was always the first on the court, he would end up practicing longer than that person. And I had the honor of interviewing one of those people one time. And he said, I went up and asked Kobe, Kobe, we have a game in an hour. Like, what are you doing out here practicing so long? And Kobe said, I needed you to know that I was willing to outwork you. And in that game, they ended up winning. And that lesson stuck with that guy forever. When you're willing to put in the work, when you're willing to take control of your environment and put yourself through the stressors required for adaptation, you literally can become anything. And my life is proof of that. So I stand here as one of the founders of a company, a company called Quest Nutrition, that we took from not existing to being valued over a billion dollars five years later. Thank you. That was the guy whose mother, not too long before that, just quietly assumed he was going to fail at college. But what I began to understand is that I could harness that ability to adapt. That we can learn in any direction. Nature has to make a choice with any species. Option number one, pre-program everything. Think of a horse. When a horse is born, it comes out, it can already run, jump, take care of itself. And then option two, be built for maximum flexibility. Be able to adapt to your environment. A horse is a horse no matter where you put it. But a human, depending on when and where it's born, depending on what it allocates its resources to, its time and attention, it can turn into a basketball player, a neurophysicist, a parent, a coach, a hairstylist. You literally get to choose. You get to decide what it is that you want to be good at. And I want you to think about the first time that you picked up a pair of scissors. You didn't know what you were doing. It didn't feel like it was an extension of your hand. But now, when you step into that role, when you show up, the way that everything feels, the way that you set it around your station, 
It's all like it was meant to be. It flows, you know, right where things are, how to cut somebody's hair, depending on the texture of the hair, the length, the quality, the age of the person, what they've done to it. You know it all. You know how to mix colors. All of that stuff is from training. But the irony is people don't stop and think about, hey, I got this far in this thing simply by allocating the time and the energy. Where else could I go? Could I pivot? And the answer to that question is yes. The human animal is designed to adapt. That is literally what we are sculpted to do. For me, the piece of advice that I always give to somebody, whether it's an entrepreneur or somebody who wants to be the greatest parent of all time, what is your goal? You've got to start with your goal. Everything works backwards from that. For me, I wanted to get rich. And the irony is, when I started on my entrepreneurial journey, I was literally saying that to people. I want to get rich. I just want to make a bunch of money. And so I started as a copywriter in a technology company because I'd failed to make it in film school. I actually ended up doing horrifically. And I, at the end of film school, I felt broken embarrassed, lost. I had no idea where I was going. But I started teaching filmmaking. And as I was teaching that class, I realized, wow, I don't know enough to teach these students. I need to like research at night and practice to be able to come in and present this material. And a weird thing happened as I started doing that. I was actually learning a lot more. And so I was able to convey that to the students and I was able to help the students make their films better. And it made me realize, whoa, there's this weird reciprocal loop. The harder I work over here, then go and explain it. They actually can take that knowledge and put it to use. Building skill sets, getting better at something. And I started thinking, is that something that I could do for myself? And at that moment, these two very successful entrepreneurs walk into my class. And at that time, I was obsessed with two things. I wanted to get rich, and I wanted six-pack abs. <laughs> now, I grew up in a morbidly obese family, so for me, that was real, man. And I used to be 60 pounds heavier than I am now. And I wanted those six-pack abs, man. I just had no idea how I was going to get it. And I remember the first time that somebody told me, I think you already have abs, it's just under the fat. And I thought, what? Like, that doesn't even make sense. Because I had done like a bunch of crunches and I'm like, I still don't see them. So I don't know what the problem is. Maybe it was all the licorice. I had a thing. So these two guys walk in, very accomplished entrepreneurs, ripped, six-pack ab, bodybuilder types, and they said, hey, you're coming to the world with your hand out. If you want to control your art, you have to control your resources. So if you want to get back in the saddle and actually become a filmmaker, you're going to have to learn to control the resources. So come with us, be a copywriter, but understand this is a startup. You can have any role in the company that you want. You just have to become the right person for that job. And so I took them at their word and I pivoted and I left my teaching career, which had safety. And I looked to my wife and I said, this may fail, but I've got to at least give it a shot. And my wife said the words that have become famous for me, which is, I bet on you. Thank you. <laughs> now, what my wife was betting on 
wasn't that I already knew how to do what they wanted me to do, because she knew I didn't. What she was betting on, in me, is the same thing that each and every one of you have, which is the ability to learn. And so I went into it knowing I was not the right person for any job in that company. I'd never been in a company like that before. I'd been totally focused on film. This was software, it was security software. It was nothing that I had any interest in, but I wanted to get rich. And so I did it. And for six and a half years, I put my head down, like those early days in my dorm room, and I worked my ass off around the clock. I didn't take vacations, meaning if I went somewhere, I would literally, guys, this is real, I would take a camera so that I could watch what was going on back at the facility. I was always working around the clock, and at six and a half years, I was so different than where I started. I had worked my way up. I was now the chief marketing officer of the company. They had given me 10% equity in the company. I was now on paper a multimillionaire. I had done what I set out to do. I was capable of things that I never would have believed that I could do. Running a team, building a website, online advertising, marketing, all things that I didn't know. I didn't even know when I started the difference between sales and marketing. I had no idea what the difference was. But here I was now the chief marketing officer of a company that was winning awards, it was making money, standing in this beautiful conference room overlooking the Pacific Ocean, and I realized I'm miserable. And I've been miserable for a long time. And I learned a really powerful lesson that I want you guys all to think about right now. The goal that I had did not take me where I wanted to go. I was living the cliche of money can't buy happiness. And I began to realize the game we're all playing, it's not success. It's not money, it's brain chemistry. To sum it up in the simplest way possible, the only thing in this life that matters, the only thing in this life that matters is what you think about in your most quiet moments about yourself when you're all alone and the only thing you have are your thoughts. If in that moment, regardless of your worldly success, you feel good about who you are, you feel good about what you've done and how you've touched other people's lives, you feel good about what you're striving for and trying to accomplish, you feel good that in the times when it got hard, if it mattered to you, you pushed through, that matters. That matters a lot, but the money doesn't matter. And so I quit. And I realized I was just not interested in living a life, no matter how much money there was, where in my quiet moments I felt like I was wasting my life. I felt like I wasn't helping people. I felt like I wasn't connected. I wasn't connected to my wife. I'd been ignoring her for years. I felt like I wasn't connected to my business partners anymore. It was all just about the money. I didn't have a why. Who knows Simon Sinek? Big it up for Simon. All right, Simon and I did a video that essentially broke the internet about millennials. Somebody watched it. What got Simon on the world stage is this whole concept of why. You've gotta know why you're doing what you're doing. If you're just showing up every day to cut and dye hair, to keep your lights on, you're gonna have far less energy to make it through the hard times than somebody who is there to help transform somebody, to help make somebody their best, 
to help them feel their best. And I hope that you guys saw that video not too long ago of the hairdresser that went around and he was doing makeovers on homeless people. Right? Man, it was incredible. It was so beautiful. The look on their face at that moment where they see themselves for the first time in front of the mirror and they are seeing something totally new. They're seeing a version of themselves that they did not know was there. And the ability to give that gift, like it is so easy to get lost in the day-to-day -day grind of what you do, what any of us do. But if at the core eyeing you is a deep and unending why for what you're doing, you've got something. Now you've got a chance to transcend what you're doing. And the way that happens is very tactical. It has nothing to do with like woo-woo, being out in the air. It's none of that. You're gonna have the energy that you need to fight through. People always ask me how I generate energy. There's two ways. Number one, take care of your body. There's just no way around that. At the end of the day, it's a biological thing that's going on, the production of ATP. And the second thing is you need to be excited about the future that you're trying to create. And when I went in and quit, even though I had millions of dollars in equity and I was making more than I'd ever made, I quit because I didn't have a why. I didn't have anything that gave me the energy to keep pushing. I didn't have excitement for what I was doing anymore. My partners were stunned, totally took them by surprise. I'm driving home, I call my wife and I say, I did it, I quit. Like we're actually, we were gonna move to Greece, we we're gonna live for cheap on some beach somewhere and I was gonna write. And that was gonna be that. And then I am pulling into the driveway of my condo and my phone rings and it's my partners. And out of love and respect, I take it. I say, hey, baby, give me a second. I'm going to take this. They're calling. And they said, come out to dinner with us. And I went out. And they said, look, we could do this without you, but we don't want to. And that was all I needed to reconnect to something other than money. And I remembered for a minute, these were guys that I loved. These were people that I had gotten to know through good times, through bad times, through the hard times, through the excitement of the company growing. And in connecting to something other than the money, I was finally able to really see and understand what it was that motivated me. And I confessed to them that money was not my highest priority in business. My highest priority was camaraderie. I wanted to connect. I wanted to bring something of value to the customer. I wanted to think about the customer. I wanted to be myself. And I wanted to market in a way that was inclusive and created a community. And in that community, we could do something more than just sell products. And so we decided to sell that company because they felt the same. And they wanted to do something based on passion. They wanted to have the energy and excitement to see things through. And for three very different reasons, we decided to form Quest Nutrition. Now, as I mentioned, I grew up in a morbidly obese family. So for me, I was never going to chase money again. And I told them that. I was only going to focus on value creation. And it had to be something that I had a deep and personal connection to. So for me, I started thinking every day about saving my mom and my sister. My mom and my sister are both morbidly obese and have been essentially my entire life. And I knew that I was going to lose them too soon if I couldn't solve the problem of how they ended up there. I wanted to give them food that they could choose based on taste. And it happened to be good for them. Now, if that doesn't sound hard, let me assure you that it is very hard. And there was one point in my life where we were making the bars by hand, and it was so 
hard and so painful that I would wake up. This is a true story. I would wake up in the middle of the night with my hands cramping closed. That's a weird way to wake up, let me just tell you right now. But I wanted it that bad. Now, we started producing the bars in Compton. And on the line, this is another true story. On the line, we had Bloods and Crips. And in the middle of it, you got the crazy white guy. Now, the reason it worked was because I was prepared to outwork everybody else. I knew exactly what I wanted. I had my why, I had my goal, and it was very specific. And this is the thing about goals. They have to be incredibly specific. And my goal was to end metabolic disease. Not sell a lot of protein bars, that was not the goal. I wanted to end metabolic disease, and that informed every choice that we made as entrepreneurs every time that we had to answer a hard question, one that might impact profitability, or how late we were gonna have to work, or what we were gonna have to do, and it almost always was difficult, including, by the way, we had to become our own manufacturers, which we did not want to do. We wanted to outsource it, we just wanted to be marketers, but nobody would make the bar for us. Or they would, but they said that we had to add sugar to it. And we asked a simple question. Will that help end metabolic disease, yes or no? If yes, we'll do it. If no, we won't. And it wouldn't, so we didn't. It starts with that specific goal. And then because I had my why, my hands cramping closed in the face of doing something to save my mom and my sister, it was not a hard choice. In fact, I wouldn't have been able to look myself in the eye and say I was not able to help them because it was hurting my hands, right? It sounds ridiculous when you say it like that, but most people don't have a personal tie to what they're doing. Mother Teresa has an amazing quote, no one will act for the many, but people will act for the one. And so as you guys go into your jobs and you think about what you're trying to do, find a way to stop making it a job. Find a way to make it a calling, a vocation, something that really meets that why, your desire to connect or do something great for people. Which, by the way, when I say that the game that you're playing is brain chemistry, what I'm talking about is fulfillment. There's a difference between happiness and fulfillment. A bowl of ice cream brings me happiness. It does not bring me fulfillment. Fulfillment is often born of suffering. Fulfillment is about doing the things that are hard. In fact, the Greeks have a word for it. It's called techni. Techni means that you acquire a set of skills that is unique to you. The acquisition of those skills was very difficult. And here's the important part. Those skills serve other people. To me, I believe that the very reason that we're all here is to see how many skills we can acquire that have utility and then put that utility to the test in service of others. That's going to be the thing that lights you on fire. You're busting your ass. You're really getting good at something. You are taking action. You're moving forward. You're doing the things you need to learn to do to learn and trigger that adaptation response that humans have. You're putting yourself under the stress. You've identified a goal. You're working your way backwards to where you are today. And that's the key. It's what I call minding the gap. There's a gap between who you are today and who you will need to become in order to execute against your why. That thing in you that's burning, 
that you really care about enough to get across the finish line, that you care about enough to keep doing, even when it's making your hands cramp closed, that you care about enough, even when you've got to come in and work between rival gang members. It's the thing that you care about enough that you really will work so hard that the rival gang members fall in line behind you because you're leading by example. Thank you. And that became my mission every day. I'm going to show up and outwork everybody. I'm going to be the first one here. I'm going to be the last one to leave. And most importantly, guys, I really hope you were listening to Robert Gialdini, whose books I have read and all but memorized. The key is you want to connect with them. You want them to fall in love with you. You want them to be inspired. You want them to feel better about themselves when they're around you than when they're not. And if you can pull that off, they will go to war for you. And in the beginning, when all we could do, because we didn't know production, we just had to throw human capital at it. And I needed people there, not kidding, at 2 a.m. on a Friday night. I had a bunch of ex-convicts in their early 20s with the tattoos on the face, the teardrop and all that, grinding it out to make protein bars because I gave them hope because I showed them that it doesn't matter who they are today, it only matters who they're trying to become and the price that they're willing to pay to get there. And so when you guys walk out of here, that's what you've got to ask. This whole theme of pivoting, this whole theme of keeping your center is about knowing what you want and believing you can make it a reality. But the only way to make it a reality is to put in the work. You've got to put in the work. The change is hard. The change is difficult. The change will demand everything of you. But man, if inside you really believe in what you're doing, you really see how you can get to that goal that you want, if you really see how you can serve other people doing what you do with this skill set that you've worked your ass off to acquire, then you can actually make change in people's lives. And that's what motivates me. Getting the skills has real world implications. It took me from scrounging in my couch cushions to find enough change to put gas in my car to building a billion dollar business. It is absolutely limitless what you can accomplish. Now think about that. If that's really true, if what I just said is true, that human potential is limitless, then how you spend your time becomes a spiritual consideration. So when you guys part from here, one, stay in touch with each other because you're gonna need that. Because if you're gonna start pushing the limits, if you're gonna show how much somebody in your position can influence other people's lives, if you're gonna show people the power of what you do, if you're going to show people the depths to which you can touch another human's life, if you've seen the look on somebody's face who has been transformed by what you've done by them, to see them transform their vision of themselves and to watch them before your eyes go from believing that they can't do something to realizing that they can, that they have untapped stores of potential. That moment is so beautiful, I would say you should be willing to pay any price. So go out and do it. Thank you.